Hi, I'm Lee Keough, Editor-in-Chief of NJ Spotlight, and I'd like to welcome you to our new conference podcast series. Today's program is from our NJ Spotlight on Cities event, held October 16th, 2015, at the New Jersey Performing Arts Center in Newark. In this session, entitled Why Cities, Benefits and Challenges of Location, we hear from two of New Jersey's most prominent business leaders, Ralph Izzo, Chairman, President, and CEO of PSENG, and Joe Taylor, Chairman and CEO, Panasonic North America. Both companies have chosen Newark as their headquarters, with Panasonic most recently choosing to move in instead of relocating to somewhere like San Diego. Here, the two men talk about the importance of transportation infrastructure, millennials, and STEM careers, and the pros and cons of tax incentives. Our moderator for this session is Tom Moran, editorial page editor and columnist for the Star-Ledger. So this is uh, Y Cities, and we have Ralph Izzo, who is, of course, a, the um, PSEG chair, president, and CEO since 2007. Ralph has degrees all over the place. In Columbia graduate degrees, tell me if I get this wrong, graduate degree in mechanical engineering and a doctorate in applied physics. Worked initially at Princeton in the plasma physics lab, so he's one of those guys. Uh, a Rutgers MBA, I think that covers it, and a baseball fanatic. I gotta leave after that. <laughs> Mine will take much less time. <laughs> Joe has a lot of degrees, I'm sure, too. Uh, chairman and CEO of Panasonic Corporation in North America, which is right down the block uh, since when did you open up over there? Two Joe? years ago. Two years ago, okay. Uh, board of Directors of NJIT, where he got a, also a doctorate in engineering, Mr. Humble over there. Board of Directors of this building, NJPAC, uh, moved the Panasonic building from Secaucus to Newark with the help of a $102 million subsidy, which we'll discuss. So we're going to, uh, I'm going to start off, I have five or six questions for these guys, and then we'll open it up for questions from the audience. And do you folks, it doesn't seem to me like we need, they want to record this, so they want us to use microphones, but doesn't sound like this room is big enough where we need to go through the whole rigmarole of cards and questions. I'm just going to ask people if you want to stand up and ask a question. Um, so let's start off. Either one of you can begin, but uh, why Newark? Most corporations in New Jersey are either in these suburban campuses we've all seen. There are a bunch in Jersey City. So uh, I guess let me start with you, Ralph, to start PSEG's history in Newark and why you guys are still here when so many other companies left. Sure. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Tom. Uh, our history is a big part of it. I guess we were founded in 1903 largely because of a major traffic fatality that took place in public transit on the corner of uh, uh, Broad Street and Mulberry, which I believe was the second most trafficked intersection in America, second only to Times Square. Please don't ask me to prove that. It's just wow. part of company lore, and I believe it. Uh, so we started a public transportation company, and then f eventually that turned into an electric and gas uh, public companies. Now, why we stayed, since it's 112 years since then, we renewed the lease that we have on the building for multiple decades now. Uh, just three years ago, really because Newark is uh, a great place for access to academia in terms of Rutgers, NJIT, uh, community college system, access to airports, access to financial markets, quite candidly. We're a New Jersey company, but many of our investors are in New York. Our employees, about 1,700 of them, are used to commuting every day to Newark. So there was a whole bunch of both tradition as well as what the city has going forward prospectively in terms of its transportation logistics, its access to markets, its access to education, its access to a talented labor pool that kept us here. 
Well, it also has some uh, drawbacks, you know, the crime, the poor schools, that sort of thing. Why do you suppose PSCG stayed and others left? Yeah, you know, so, so the, there's no question that there are drawbacks, and we, we run into sometimes when we recruit people. Uh, I don't know why others have left. Perhaps they don't have as deep and as rich a tradition as we have of staying here. And I will admit that we, when we tend to recruit people, those who want to live in the Newark area at first are not uh, folks with... Uh, young families that are in a that, that have an educational requirement they tend to be more of our, our younger more stem oriented population now newly recruited engineers and people of that sort so i think you're seeing more of the millennials uh, being uh, attracted to urban environments and we're able to do that with newark uh we're going to talk about how to get employees to live in the city and how that works or doesn't work so we'll come back to that but joe why don't you kick it up to you why are you guys in so Ralph's story, while our stories are different, his question is why stay here. My question is why move here. The reasons are, are, are very similar, right? All the things Ralph said, the, the access to the city, it's one of the best mass transit hubs in the United States. All of those things are true. Then the question is, then, but why did we pick Newark? Because uh, before us, nobody was picking Newark for 112 years. Um, and, and so it's a little bit about the culture of our, our, our company. We have a philosophy, among other things, that corporations have a responsibility to society. And, and so that means a couple of things. Uh, one, if we left, which was a very strong possibility, we're not going to bring a thousand employees with us. So there's a huge base of people that are left without jobs. It's devastating to the communities. But in addition to that, I saw a city that I thought was on the brink of a transformation after a 40-year struggle. And, and I thought, what a great opportunity for us, for Panasonic, to be a part of that transformation, to help with that transformation. If, a, if companies like PSE&G and Prudential can commit for 100 years plus, suppose a, another company made a huge commitment and moved in, couldn't, couldn't that impetus accelerate the transformation? And so that was kind of the final piece of the puzzle. Could, could we take advantage? and enjoy the opportunity to help this wonderful old city become great again. You know, it was interesting. Uh, Joe and I had lunch a couple of years ago when you were thinking about moving in here, as I recall, or maybe you had just committed and were wondering about it. But uh, it did seem to me, uh, I, t can you share with these people what you said to me about Booker and Christie and how that affected your willingness to bet on this? So I'll, I'll back up even from that a little bit. Um, we kept the employees advised. We were up in... Secaucus, just 10 miles north of here. So when, when the lease, two years before our lease expired, uh, we were advising the employees what's going on because there's economic conditions everywhere and there's economic pressures everywhere. So the day that, that uh, we had all of the Secaucus employees in, we have these series of town hall meetings. I told everybody, okay, uh, I just want to let you know that we're staying in New Jersey. And incredible round of applause. And when the applause died down, Somebody finally said, where are we going? And I said, Newark. And you could hear a pin drop. Wow. So that was, the, that was kind of the landscape. Um, Newark, to be honest, was never part of the vision. This was a two-year project to, to decide where we were going. The leading candidates were facilities we already owned, Chicago, Atlanta, and believe it or not, San Diego. And in January, every January, I wonder what idiot made the decision to stay here. <laughs> But we know who that Who's idiot was. <laughs> but anyhow, the, when, when, when uh, the state and the city heard that we were looking to move, uh, of course, it was fraternity rush. And uh, I have to admit, when I, the first couple of times I met now Senator Booker, I said, 
Now, this guy's too good to be true. He's the best sales guy I've ever met, and I don't trust salespeople. Um, so it took five or six meetings for me to really feel comfortable to say, I, I, I think this is a sincere guy. He really wants to do the right thing. But how about the state? And whatever else you say, our governor is a very persuasive guy. And when he wants to get something done, he can find ways to do it. And I, the irony is we had a liberal Democrat and a conservative Republican, and somehow they worked together to get things done to, to encourage us enough to stay here. I, I, they really worked well together, and, and I was really pleased by that. And I thought that might have been a sign of things to come. Unfortunately, it was, and I read it all wrong. Uh, did, does that have a big effect on your operations, the change in administration and the sort of nosedive that Christie's taken in New Jersey's esteem? Um, I, I'm not... I'm not a very political person. I don't follow that probably as closely as I should. I don't think it has an impact on any day-to-day -day business, but it impacts the climate of business. Um, when, when state and local government work well together, it changes the whole environment of living in that area, not just as, as a citizen of the area, but certainly as a corporation and as a business leader, it changes the environment. Businesses can deal with anything except uncertainty. It doesn't matter how bad conditions are, if, if we can anticipate it, if, if there's a stability, then business can manage around it. Instability is the thing that affects business the worst. So what's the monthly allotment for bribes to the city council? <laughs> is that stable uh, or you, you have to sign an NDA before we can share any of that information. All right, I'm going to count to five, and if what I said is true, don't say anything. One. <laughs> um, let's talk about the uh, subsidy. Uh, I dug up some stats that I find pretty shocking. In, uh, since 2010, New Jersey has agreed to provide, this is often reported that has provided, and that's not true. Most of this hasn't been, isn't allotted until the business unfolds over the course of many years. But since 2010, New Jersey has agreed to provide $5.4 billion in subsidy. Uh, in the previous 14 years, it totaled 1.4 combined. So we're talking about an astronomical growth that is still accelerating. In 2004 alone, 2.4 billion. So that means half of those since 2010, when this explosive growth started, were in 2014. Has that gone overboard? So let, let's clarify. When you say a subsidy, nobody's writing a check, right? That's a tax credit. Let's be clear, right? So a tax credit doesn't mean Panasonic got a check for $100 million. Does right. it? That's not it at all. A tax credit is exactly what that means. It's a credit against future taxes. That's the first thing I want to clarify. The second thing is, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, the, the, the United States is competing with the rest of the globe to attract business. And the 50 states are competing with each other to attract business. It's a very competitive marketplace that corporations, I have a responsibility to do what's best for our shareholders as well as a contribution to society, but I have a fiscal responsibility as well. So there's a competition among states. So that's the landscape. There's a global competition and there's a competition within the states. How do you attract enterprises to contribute to your, to your community? That being said, there's no checks being written. So when I hear, when I see headlines that say, uh, state gave Panasonic $100 million instead of the teachers, that's a ridiculous comment. If Panasonic not if. When we accomplish everything that we committed to as part of this tax credit, uh, at the end of 11 and a half years, theoretically, we've, we've received roughly an $80 million tax credit. At that point, after the $80 million tax credit, the state is plus $223 million. So if I said to you, I'm going to give you $80 million, will you give me $223 
back. I, th I think that's a good deal for me, don't you? Yeah. I don't see any lose for that. That's the first piece of it. The second piece of it, I, I read all of this stuff, but then I check, I check my own numbers, my own sources. I looked at how many companies have left New Jersey, how many have stayed, and how many have come in. It, it's, so we've had five or six huge companies leave in the last five or six years. Some, some of Panasonic's biggest competition, some big automotive guys, they've left. And they've left with thousands of jobs. A few of us have stayed here for a number of reasons. The tax incentive was a part of that reason. And then we've been able to attract just a, a few large corporations in. So when I hear about this huge thing, I don't, I don't believe it's a huge thing. Um, I believe that the state is better off if I left and, and there's a thousand people out of work. Is, is that a good thing? You're right. So uh, I'm a huge proponent of economic development. I think tax credits are critically important. I think other kinds of incentives are critically important. And then it's up for, for some objective organization, objective organization to say, okay, here's the 10-year history of it. Now, now what's the economic benefit or disbenefit of it? Yeah, the tax credit point is an important one that I'm constantly making, too. Where that came up a lot is the Rebel Casino that the state, I think it was $250 million. Yeah. And people said, and when Revel went bankrupt, we lost 200, we didn't lose a dime. Right. Because none of that money, you, the subsidy takes the form of only a portion of the business generated. So if it flopped, it didn't cost us anything. Uh, but the question I have, and I think Al Copy runs the EDAs, has too, and they do scrutinize this, but you can never be sure, are these companies bluffing? Would you have moved to Newark anyway? And there, then that trade-off you talk about doesn't work. So, no, no, I wouldn't have moved to Newark. Okay, but I'm saying that a lot of people who engage in this, even on the corporate side, have read materials where mm. they say, uh, we probably would have moved there anyway, but we wanted to scare them and get it. You wouldn't be doing your job if you didn't try to get as much from this program as you could, right? Yeah, but l let me also just say, even with the economic incentive, it was not nearly the most financially attractive opportunity that we had. Moving to our own facility someplace else financially would have been the right decision. And you, part of your concern is how do we, uh, we we'd have to uh, do a lot of firing and hiring in that case. You wanted to keep your labor. I wonder how much those kind of factors weigh in versus the tax break. Um, no, we calculate. So when you're, when you're doing these things, we, we knew what it was going to cost, how many people were going to take, how many we would have to let go, what were the benefits of those, what's it cost to hire the new people, so opportunity exactly. costs. Yeah, yeah, that's all. So, Ralph, how is it that PSCG has been so clueless as to not get $100 million? <laughs> uh, true story. We looked at the Urban Hub tax credit years ago, uh, just before our lease came up for expiration. And at the time, we were eligible to uh, file for a tax credit by building a new building here in Newark. And there were no shortage of developers who approached us to do that. And I'm not pretending that I'm, I'm an angel and anyone who did otherwise isn't. But we decided not to apply for that tax credit because we thought that it violated the spirit of what the law intended, which was either to keep jobs here or to attract jobs here, and we weren't going anywhere. Uh, I think Joe doesn't need me to say this. He did exactly what his shareholders expect him to do and what his employees expect him to do, and he did what was good for the community. I am not a fan of these tax credits. I think they're a zero-sum game among states. They are a zero-sum game in some cases among municipalities. They are a second-best mechanism to do what really needs to be done, which is to eliminate all the uh, dislocations embedded in the various loopholes in the tax code and the need to lower overall rates. 
and to begin a shift in public thinking away from taxing wealth creation and towards taxing things that we don't want to see happening. My favorite being, of course, the emissions of carbon. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in general, but but you know, in general, I don't have any more right to these opinions than anyone else does. Uh, I, I don't view them as something that we want to continue to see growing, except as a second best alternative to the fact that the tax code is all screwed up to begin with. And you certainly would have a hard time arguing that you're going to move to San Diego. That's exactly. Okay. So, uh, just before I leave this topic, back back to you, Joe. So, when you look at this explosive growth. What if it doubles or triples in a state that can't pay its bills? Uh, is there a point at which you would agree that this has gotten out of hand? Of course. So let me just clarify. I completely agree with Ralph. I, I, just because I took a tax credit doesn't, doesn't mean I don't agree with him. The, the, the battle between the states, if, if you had an, it's absolutely absurd. And, yeah. and businesses in general, and, and we've been able to take advantage of them in other places. Some of the deals are just crazy. Yeah. But if you're running a business or you're creating a new business and you don't take advantage of it, I don't, I don't think you're really doing your job as a, as a corporate executive. But there is a point where it doesn't make any sense at all, of right. course. And, and Ralph, it could be that this is crazy as a, a, a national and within New Jersey local frenzy, but you still have to play this game. It's almost like campaign finance. You don't want to unilaterally, should New Jersey unilaterally disarm? Well, uh, I, I think that there is a price to be paid sometimes for being on the leading edge of certain things. Yeah. Uh, I do think that there are some things that we could do differently here that would lead the way. As Joe pointed out, there's a lot of considerations that go into where you locate or don't locate a business, taxes being one of them. But it's the quality of your education. It's the quality of your infrastructure. Uh, it's the proximity to markets. New Jersey has an enormous number of tremendous uh, inherent advantages to attracting businesses, and it has some disadvantages. Large among them is uh, the amount of home rule and the balkanization of the regulatory system and how many different parents you have to ask permission of before you tie your shoes. Uh, So there are some things we can do other than uh, tax credits. But again, if, if the policy establishment decides that that's the least painful approach, then I fully understand why it would take that approach. Uh, you know, you remind me, Ralph, I should have said at the outset, uh, full disclosure, that I worked for Ralph for a year and a half in 2008 and 2009. Uh, you reminded me because I worked partly on this building a transmission line across North New Jersey, and it was, I was working on the political effort, and it was insane. And it brought out the conservative in me, too, when we learned to get an environmental impact statement to cross something like a mile and a half of the state of federal park all, to replace a small line with a big taller uglier line granted but along the same road the same pathway they were telling us to take four years i don't know how that turned out but four years you know it was like me on april 15th when i become a republican it's outrageous <laughs> we we actually energized the line just this past june thanks so um let me ask you one other thing that just came up in the, in the keynote address i thought was interesting um when a company moves into a city like Newark, I'm curious how much you'd sink in versus how much you sort of skitter along the top. I mean, but people could come in, your employees, into Penn Station and go to both your headquarters nearby and never touch Newark. And I want to ask about that, the one aspect of that to zero in a first. Do you guys have a good idea of what percentage of your employees live in Newark and what kind of efforts do you make or do you feel obliged to make to encourage more of that? 
Yeah, so so uh, we have 1,700 people who come to work every day in Newark, and about 10% of them live in Newark. Mm-hmm. So that's really more the tip of the iceberg, the 170 people who live in Newark. We did some rough calculations knowing about this panel, but we spent last year in Newark $57 million as a business. We paid direct taxes of about $2 million, indirect taxes of about $4 million through our rent. Our foundation spent about $2.1 million on various local charities. I have no idea what our employees spent at Queen's Pizza and various uh, Nico's downstairs and things of that sort. I think the next big area of involvement for us is as we do projects in Newark and other cities where infrastructure is old and in need of replacement, is to really focus on hiring local talent. Uh, you know, we have dual masters. Uh, when, we, when we build a major switching station like we are at McCarter Switch here in Newark, uh, we have a, an obligation to the customer population in general across New Jersey to keep rates low, which usually means the, the least cost qualified bidder. But there is a local community impact that needs to be realized, and to the extent that we can provide an enhanced degree of economic development to that community by hiring local contractors, local electricians, local architects, uh, and, and uh, uh, landscape planners, then I think everybody wins. And that's, that's an area of emphasis for us now. Yeah, for us, it, it's, it's really an evolution. So if you remember the pin dropping, that's where, that was the baseline, right? Everybody said, I have a job, but oh yeah. my God, it's in Newark. So then we heard estimates that as many as 10 or 15% of our employees were going to quit. I think we lost one or two employees, and it was only because it wasn't convenient to get here. Um, and and my, my dream and what, what I'm hoping for is that we're not carpetbaggers, that eventually we'll embed ourselves into the fabric. And the evolution is really, really moving along. So uh, just a couple of points. When we moved here, uh, one of the key points was the the mass transit. So New Jersey Transit told us that best in class, if you have about 45% of your employees taking mass transit in five years, you're the best in class. We just finished our second year. Just under 60% of our employees are taking mass transit. Um, And that's great, one, because of the carbon footprint, uh, because we believe in sustainability. But believe it or not, it's given people more uh, work-home balance, because you got to train to catch, you're not going to stick around for the extra meat. And I know you can't believe the CEO is saying that, but I'm really happy about that. Um, so that's one piece. And little by little, and I've tried to do it myself a couple of days a week, just go walk somewhere for lunch. And we have people now that go out running for lunch, that go around Red Bull Stadium, if you know where our building is. They're, so more and more people are venturing out and getting more comfortable. Then the next step is when I see them coming back with their dry cleaning and their, and their prescriptions, then I know that we're really being a part of it. But another piece of this is the city itself, right? So I think people would like to go have drinks after work. The city has to evolve as well to be kind of a more welcoming place with more things for more people to do. And I, I'm not saying anything that you all don't already know, but, um, and I'm going to sound like the Chamber of Commerce, one of the things I found interesting, the city population is around 265,000. There are 55,000 college students in this city. And I think as an urban area, it's the highest percentage of students per capita of any, any city in the country. But this doesn't feel like a college town. You don't see kids roaming around. It doesn't feel like one. And there's a vibrancy in college towns. So I think there's a lot of things we have to do. Part of it is getting our employees to be part of the community. The other is the community has to change. And I think we you want know, to be a part of that. You know, as my own, I live in Montclair and have worked and commuted into Newark for oh, 20 years or something like that. And I have never felt, you know, that commuting in, I'm kind of, the, 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 when you said your employees didn't at first, you were estimating tenor. 
It's not the commuting in that I think is the problem for most people. It's uh, crime and education. Right. You know, if you want to raise a couple of kids, and there you're, because Newark, I'd say after five, has picked up somewhat, and you know, dry cleaning and all that stuff. It's just the uh, crime and education are still struggling, and I wonder if either of you hears anything from your employees about that now that Newark, what is it, forty? 30% now growing to between 40 and 50% charter schools, not all of which, but some of which, the big change, KIPP and North Star, are kicking butt. Yes, and sir. does that change? And, and then the crime dropped under Booker, and then when the police left, it went back up. So what do you guys hear from your employees about that? So on the education front, Tom, your, your editorials have been spot on. We're big supporters of KIPP and North Star and various uh, uh, Robert Reed Academy as well. They've performed outstanding for the kids and uh, you know, no shortage of interest on the part of the parents. We tend to not get involved directly in some of the debates that have taken place over state control or lack of state control over the school district, but we help the school district in any way we can. Specifically, we did some energy efficiency work and some rooftop solar work for them. We have a whole host of employees who volunteer times for with organizations like Newark Stars, where we mentor kids. We try to bring some kids in for internships over the summer. Uh, the mayor and I have talked about perhaps either funding or directly providing job opportunities for kids during the summer. So n no doubt the educational system has some uh, shining uh, pockets of improvement and still has a long way to go. I think the number one concern, and, and as I said before, the employees that we tend to recruit who tend to be willing to stay do not have young kids that they're putting through the school system. The challenge I hear about mostly from our employees is the occasional random crime that still occurs even in the downtown. Uh, we did have a shooting near uh, a nearby parking lot that almost affected an employee of ours within the last six months, I think. And it's usually not that severe. It's usually somebody gets knocked down because they were on their cell phone and it got ripped out of their hand and they got uh, pushed to the ground. But that is the number one concern that I hear from current employees who are traveling in and out of the office on a daily basis is crime. Mm -hmm. And same with you, John? Yeah, I think we, we do uh, a weekly crime report uh, believe it or not, that all employees uh, get. And, and we, we focus first on the 12 square blocks of downtown, and then we concentric. And there's a couple of points. That one, we want people to understand this is an urban area, and there's crime in every single urban area. So you have to be aware. This isn't Secaucus. This is Newark. So you have to be aware of your cell phone and your purse and all those things. But the point is, downtown is safe. It's as safe as any other downtown. And, and as you go out further and further, there are more and more issues. I think one of the problems with the perception of Newark, uh, maybe because it's a small city, when you read the New York newspapers and there's a, a shooting, it's not New York City, it's Park Slope. It's, they specify the area. So in the residents' mind, oh, I know where that is, that's nowhere near me. In Newark, it's just Newark. And so that's one piece of it that, that could help change that's the perception. Um, the other piece I, I, I want to talk about, I, you know, when you talk about crime, and you talk about education, you, you, then you, the next step is you have to talk about jobs. And, and I think they're all directly related. Lack of education, increase in crime. I, I hate to oversimplify it. I'm not a sociologist. But I, I think if people can get jobs, they have hope. And if they have hope, there's, I, I don't want to say more pride in the community because I know people have pride. But it seems that there's less crime. And I think all of these things are related. And it's corporate leaders, I know that we struggle with how can we create more jobs. Right. And there's one part of the do your employees work in Newark is are people, would they be comfortable moving from the suburbs? What about hiring local people who lived here before you set up? Uh, how difficult is that and what kind of efforts do you make? 
So one of the other main reasons that we moved to Newark is because almost by definition, Newark is, is a diverse city. And I thought it would be just a wonderful opportunity not only to improve our diversity, but to hire local people. Um, one of the difficulties is, is um, most of our opportunities right now are kind of mid-career professional engineering, accounting, uh, marketing type jobs. And, and uh, we have an agreement with the city before uh, we go outside to hire anybody. We give the city, there's a program called Newark Works. We give the city uh, these job descriptions and they have a small period of time of exclusivity. But we haven't been as successful as either of us would have liked trying to find people living right in the city of Newark. So we're working with the, the, the two universities and the community college trying to create programs. It's, it's not just our intention, it's, it's going to happen, but we will have more people. I think ten, roughly 10% 10 of our employee base is in what we call the Newark area. Okay. But if you ask me how many before and after, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, last year we hired 75 people from Newark. But as I said, I think that that is not going to be how we limit ourselves in terms of participating with the community. This one, one project I just mentioned a moment ago, McCarter Switch, we have hired a local architect for really a seven-figure contract. And I know we've been uh, supplying some uh, sandwiches to our construction crew, and a local deli's gotten you know, a couple tens of dollars. Mm -hmm. So it's everything in between. Mm -hmm. The, uh, that project garnered a lot of opposition initially, and PS over a long period of meetings suggested it's okay. Um, if, you, if you look at the barriers to that, a couple jump to mind. One is criminal records. In the, the numbers are horrifying after you know two decades of mass incarceration in Newark. Another is education and skills. And I think this probably applies more to you, Ralph, but uh, membership in certain unions tends to be a barrier also to hiring locals. Yeah, so, so we're a fully unionized company. You know, we worked pretty aggressively with members of the legislature to enact uh, legislation, which is now law, you know, which we call ban the box, mm -hmm. which does not allow you to ask about someone's criminal past until after you've pretty much uh, cleared the whole interview process and are about to extend the job offer to them as a way to avoid premature judgment of, pe of people who've you know, gone through whatever they needed to go through as mandated by society to, to pay their dues. Uh, so, so we're, we're quite proud of that, and uh, we, we do have some pretty standardized testing that we have for our craft positions, where we unfortunately uh, do see some, some uh, racial and uh, gender disparities in terms of the pass rates of that. We try to work with folks who fail those to tell them, here's what you need to do better and differently in the future. Uh, I don't know of any, any built-in bias to being or not being a union member on a basis of where one lives or one's race or gender. Uh, so I don't, I don't think the union issue is, is, is the dominant one for us. It's more the educational issue and uh, making sure people have had the, the skills to, to be successful when taking the intro uh, I battery. I thought some of the unions, and I could be wrong about this, that um, were predominantly white and it's difficult to get in so that it becomes handed down to your son and daughter kind of thing. And Yeah, well, there's no question that there's a lack of diversity in the unions and there's no question that there's a, a patronage system, for lack of a better word, where... You know, it's a great job, so I want to get my nephew in or I want to get my niece in. And, you know, I must admit, as a CEO, I, I, have, I struggle with this issue. I love hiring from within. Mm -hmm. I love promoting from within. I think the highest compliment someone can pay our company is I want my relative to work here. Mm -hmm. But th th 
the downside of that, and it's a huge downside, it's one that we work out all the time, is you then never make improvements in making sure that your company looks like the population you serve. And that is essential to business success. That's not just being a, a nice guy or trying to say the right thing. If you believe that you can succeed in this world without reflecting fully the values, the thought processes, the culture of your customer base, you're not going to be successful. So you have this constant tension between using the pipeline that exists naturally versus creating a more diverse workforce. I love this guy, but none of my relatives will ever work for PSEJ. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I want to leave some time for questions, but before we do, uh, quick, uh, sort of quick question for both of you. What do you think about the move to provide $15 minimum wage, especially for janitors, because this isn't one that um, you can move that job to China? It's, it's certainly not an issue for PSEG. There's nobody at PSEG who makes less than $15. Do you, for janitorial services, are, are those PSEG employees? Well, those, or those, those, those are contracted out. And do you know what they make? I have no idea. There you go. Yeah, we're, we're kind of the same. We don't have anybody anywhere close to $15 an hour. But the, the janitorial services, frankly, I don't know that either. I mean, I suppose you guys could be in a position of influence to say to the services you hire, hey, don't fight the union on this so much. This is kind of... You have to be real careful with uh, getting too deeply involved with how your contractors treat their employees, Tom, because right. then they become your employees. This is my, this was my 60-second editorial break. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to ask about transportation, and maybe somebody will ask about it, but let's, um, let's open it up for questions. Uh, does everybody, we, we, the other sessions had a system where you have to write down and put it in, but it seems like a small enough room that we can just ask people to stand up and ask. So does anybody have questions? You don't even have to stand up, actually. Can you identify yourself, please? it's another tool. I mean, and I don't want to get into political ideology. I'm just a bigger fan of government making decisions that are ubiquitously applicable as opposed to picking winners and losers. I see no difference between giving a loan to somebody who goes bankrupt five years later to giving a tax credit to... Well, I guess there is a difference. In one case, the money's out the door. In the other case, the money's not out the door. But I would just rather see government create the infrastructure, broadly defined, the human infrastructure, the physical infrastructure, and then not, not create these little perturbations in the tax code here and there, depending upon relationships or dialogue or timing of specific events because somebody's got a lease that's up or not up. There's nothing wrong with it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's just, it's a second best approach. So yours is just, let's have a level playing field and a good infrastructure and go from there. 
Yeah. The, I will say that, that uh, the Times did a big investigation of these tax credits across the country. And uh, obviously, from my questions, you can see I'm concerned about the explosive growth in New Jersey given the budget crisis. But there were many states that were actually investing in these projects. You know, and, and if the Rebel Casino went bankrupt, they were losing hundreds of, and that's crazy. I read, when I read what other states are doing, it really seemed to me like New Jersey's, um, at least the structure of its subsidies was a lot more sensible. But do you have anything to add what to what you said earlier? No, I, I completely agree with what Ralph said. But absent those fundamental changes, I think we need, we need some kind of incentive to attract businesses to the state. Okay. Any other questions? What does it do? What is the... What does it do? So uh, the property assessed clean energy, which is uh, active in 31 states, uh, and they're selling about $2 billion in a very early amount of uh, investment. It's private sector investment going into private properties, both residential and commercial, in order to invest in energy, deep retrofits and energy efficiency. It could be new construction, it could be retrofit. Energy efficiency, renewable energy, Loans are um, are they have so many benefits that it's a you know quote no brainer for people to do because it reduces their operating costs from uh, reducing their energy costs. Okay. Increases their value of the property. Yeah. Uh, ener- this guy will tell you the six different ways to conserve energy and what's most efficient. So take it away, Ralph. You know there aren't too many things I think I know about, but this is an area <laughs> where I would. But you've stumped me. I've never heard of the PACE program. I really well, have Could you tell people, Ralph, just the basic difference between the utility programs to conserve energy and the clean energy oh, program, which, which yeah. it, to, to set up? Right. Uh, the clean energy program is something we all pay for on our bills. It goes into a fund. Christie has taken more than a billion dollars out of that fund since he's been governor. And so that program has been depleted, which I called Ralph to say, isn't this outrageous? And Ralph said, well... It's not great, but there's a better way to do this. Right, right. So, so most uh, clean energy programs, whether it's energy efficiency, which is my favorite, or renewables, are grant programs, whereby uh, somebody undertakes a project. It could be putting a, an efficient air conditioning system in their basement, or it could be putting solar panels on their roof, and they pay for half of it, and the rest of the customer population pays for the other half. Uh, in the case of solar, for example, uh, most of you, I'm sure, are aware that the median household income in the United States is $50,000. The median household income in New Jersey is $70,000. The median household income of people who put solar panels on their roof is $120,000. So you basically have a very regressive uh, system whereby grant money flows from those who can barely afford it to those who can greatly afford it. So the better approach that I mentioned to Tom is that you simply let the utility do the work and have it targeted towards those customers who you want to see subsidized. I'm not arguing against subsidies. Every part of my business is subsidized in one way, shape, or form, from nuclear plants to solar panels. They all get subsidies. What I'm arguing against is the direction of the subsidies right now. So if we build a solar farm in an old landfill, 
then everyone's paying into that just like that panel on the rooftop. But the electricity that comes from that solar farm in the landfill goes to all of the residents in our grid, which is all two million of them. So everyone subsidizes, but everyone benefits from, as opposed to everyone subsidizing and then just the point location receiving the benefit of that. So if I, I might have this wrong, so help me out, but the... Uh if, if PSEG invests in, you know, pipes and wires, it gets a fair rate of return, something like 10%. By the, it can, it's allowed to set that rate to recover that return. But until these programs started through PSEG and I guess a couple of other utilities. Then we couldn't get a return, that's right. Yeah, if you invested in energy savings or conservation, you wouldn't get any return. So there's no incentive to do it. So that put it, there's a couple, how much, so, how much so, money are we so, talking so, about? So we just, uh, yeah, we spent... Uh, about two billion a year on wires and pipes. We spent in the last five years seven hundred million on solar energy, and in that same period of time, so two billion per year, do that times five, ten billion over the last five years. Last five years, seven hundred million on solar, so factor of ten difference, and in the last five years, three hundred million on energy efficiency. It's insane. It's because, really should be the other uh, way the, around. The bang for the efficiency right. is much bigger. Absolutely, should be the other way around. Next. The inability to recruit talent. The inability to attract talent. It's number one. I mean, we're as good as our people. Nothing more, nothing less. That's a difficulty. Is it to get people to move no, to Newark? No, it's not. I was, I was asked what would get us to move, and I'm saying it would be the inability to recruit people. What is your assessment of the ability to recruit good people in New Jersey now? Oh, they, they don't come to us because of Newark. I don't want to suggest that at all. They come to us because of the type of company we are, our progressive nature, our reputation in the industry. More often than not, Newark is a neutral to a negative. Yeah. If it became such a negative that we could not recruit people, I'd have to rethink the location. So, Joe, if your building were not brand new, let's say it was 50 years old, and you were, how would you answer that question? What's the big challenge that might make you leave? Um, so I have to be honest with you. I just moved here. I can't conceive of an exit strategy right now. <laughs> I can't. I don't even want it to go into my head because someone will take it and say, oh, my God, he's going to leave already. So I, I, Everything you say can be used against That's right. So I have no exit strategy. <laughs> but what can you speak to the recruiting talent, whether that's uh, – we always are hearing that New Jersey has the, one of the most skilled workforces in the country – but that that might be threatened if we don't keep up our efforts on education. So I think there's a couple of things. So our, our, I would like a much younger uh, crop. We, we haven't done a lot of college recruiting over the last few years because of economic conditions. Um, and the millennials and even the Gen X or Gen Y, I guess, they like urban areas. Mm -hmm. Newark is not unattractive in the sense that it's close proximity to areas where young people want to live, like Hoboken, like Jersey City, like Weehawken. Um, so I don't, I, I'm not seeing, and, and the fact that they can get here on a train ride is really attractive. So right. frankly, we were able to recruit uh, a little bit easier young professionals when we moved to Newark than we did in Secaucus, mm -hmm. as strange as that may sound. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's, that's one piece of it. I, I think there's only upside from that, because as, as the city starts to create places for young people to live and young people to go. I think companies like ours and PSE&G and Prudential, we're really well placed to, to be able to attract those young professionals right away. I, I think there's only upside here. I really do. Okay. 
And not to trivialize that answer, but you say Secaucus. I was here. Secaucus. Can you solve that mystery for me? <laughs> if you still live in Secaucus, it's Secaucus. If you moved out, it's Secaucus. Okay. <laughs> uh, my old home in Missouri. I understand that. Uh, go ahead. Did you ask already? Did, you didn't ask already. I spoke to you. I'm mixing up. Okay, go ahead. Uh, No, we have, uh, are, you, are you looking to sell us something? <laughs> we have two empty floors. We have two empty floors. No, we plan for growth. How many people can you add? I can add as many as I need. I would tell you that, but when I retire, I'm opening a commercial real estate business to, to do just that. No, I, I, it's just, it's just uh, frankly, I don't know. I wasn't involved in that level of detail. Uh, here's what I can tell you. The team we put together, we put together about roughly six or eight people in Panasonic to do this search. Uh, they came up with 40 sites across the country. Um, Frankly, I don't, I don't know how Newark came up on the radar. I don't, I don't really know. I had a broad vision of what I was looking for. Um, part of Panasonic, you know, talked about energy. Um, we built a, a lead platinum building across the street, and we moved here because of mass transit. So we've taken almost 700 cars off the road every day. So we're committed to, to sustainability, not just where our offices are, but our manufacturing sites and the products we build. This is, uh, Interbrand has ranked us the number one green electronics company in the world. For, for the way we look at things. So we had, a, we had some specifics in mind. It made it very difficult. We looked at a couple of retrofit buildings, but they couldn't meet the sustainability standards that we were looking for. So to be honest with you, I don't know the answer. I don't know how you get a hold of, you know, you knock on doors, I guess. I, I really don't know. Can I, uh, we have only five minutes left, and I, I, I want to get the transportation question because it's so important, and you, you raised that. Uh, the, um, uh, the, obviously, the Transportation Trust Fund is about to go bankrupt. The Hudson River tunnels are hanging by a thread. Uh, I rattle my teeth coming to work every morning with the potholes. How does that affect business? And would you favor a gas tax to fix it? Um, the, the, the in, again, uh, to be very transparent, it, it doesn't affect my daily business. Um, it actually encourages the employees to take mass transit, which is what I wanted them to do. It encourages, but mass transit is a mess. And uh, if the it's tunnel better than the roads out, and the traffic. And better than, the, okay. you know, it's, it's so like we should we keep, keep, we should so, keep the roads miserable. So the, so the bar is pretty low. Yeah, and the Hudson River Tunnel thing horrifies me. They're saying that uh, you much probably already know this, but if we don't have the new tunnel built, which is going to take at least 10 years before the existing tube, one of the two existing tubes goes down, and that could happen any day. I went down there and talked to the engineers, and they said, it's beyond its lifespan already. It could give out. 
If that gives that a cut 75% of the traffic because you then can't go in both directions, you have to send it east and then send them west and stop it and send it east. This would be such a body blow to, it seems to me, the regional economy. And companies, do you have people who use the tunnel commute from New York? What happens then? it's a it's a big problem, Tom. Uh, is, should I be as should I be as worried as I am? I'm not yeah, sort of banging drums. Yeah, because if you think about it, so, so I, I don't I don't I don't want to be political about it. Let's just be pragmatic. Right. So that tunnel is used. Yeah, people go into the city to to see shows and restaurants, but most of the people are going in because they have jobs there. Yeah. If they if they can't get in and out and they can't do their job, then what happens to the economy of New Jersey? That's the practicality, right? So without being political, is it fair that? Governor Christie should be put in jail over this. To say, <laughs> don't don't connect me with that statement at all. Actually, what well, this is the the DO, the federal Department of Transportation Administrator Andrew Fox said, called the behavior of the local leaders quote almost criminal. And I, I would I I think I quoted part of what he said. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of hyperbole, and I'm not going to side with uh, uh, one I, federal official I, versus one state. No, no, I know that, but, but clearly we're a big believer in infrastructure investment in the state's transportation How worried are you about a collapse of that tunnel? I'm, I'm not worried about a collapse of that tunnel. I am worried about the ability to get people from point A to point B, and we, we try to move about 6,000 people around the state on a daily basis for one reason or another, either because the power is out or because the gas isn't flowing or because uh, we're, we're, we're reinforcing a line before the power goes out, and it's becoming increasingly difficult to do Would that. it not be harder, for example, home values would be affected. When they built Manhattan Direct, home values around those lines went up. I assume the same thing would happen in reverse. Your people, wouldn't it be harder to recruit if it was a big pain in the ass to get to New York? Oh, yeah, there's no question about it. No, no, I, look, I, I spend a fair amount of time in New York. As I said earlier, many of our investors are in New York, and I cannot predict how long it will take me to go from Newark to Midtown Manhattan, where most of these folks are, have their offices. I think as the crow flies, it's six miles. Mm-hmm. It could take a half an hour. It could take two and a half hours. It's insane. Okay. It really so is. We agree, Christy's a criminal. Tom? <laughs> Okay, thanks to everybody. Thank you for joining us. For more information on NJ Spotlight or to offer comments, please go to njspotlight.com. To learn about this specific conference, visit njspotlightoncities.com. Production services were provided by professional podcasts on the web at beingthemedia.com. For everyone here at NJ Spotlight, this is Lee Keo. Thanks for listening.